What is going on, you guys? I go by the name Unknown, and you are listening to the Pipe Bomb Podcast. And this is our WrestleMania 36 review of Night 2 of WrestleMania. And we're going to jump right into this. Um, Initially, I was going to do this review last night and everything, but I had to give myself a little bit of time to relax and digest everything that we've just witnessed over the past two days. You know, um, this didn't feel like WrestleMania. Despite there being some really great matches, despite there being some great bright spots across both days, this just didn't feel like WrestleMania because there wasn't 70, 80,000 people yelling and chanting and screaming and having a good time. So it just didn't feel like WrestleMania. It just doesn't. And for anyone that tries to tell me otherwise, you're, you're fucking dumb. Because it just didn't feel like WrestleMania. Under the circumstances that they were faced to put on a show like this, it was great. They tried. They really did their best that they can to entertain us. Right? But for it to still be called WrestleMania, the showcase of the immortals, it, it, it didn't, it really didn't feel like WrestleMania. It didn't feel like WrestleMania, but we're going to jump right into the second night so we can review these matches. And we're going to start off with the kickoff show, and it was a match between Natalia versus Liv Morgan. Um, this match, there was really nothing to it besides at the end of the match, they were like trading um, pins and roll-ups, and then eventually Liv Morgan picks up the victory over Natalia. And that was that. Then we get into the first match of the main card. And it was for the NXT Women's Championship. And it was Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. This match surprised me. Because the build-up to this match was really lackluster. It was really bad. But the match itself was amazing. Really amazing. I just wish there was a crowd, man. I really wish there was a crowd. This was just a, a great opener. A great, great opener. Um, throughout the match, Charlotte Flair was working the leg of Rhea Ripley, so eventually set up for um, the figure eight and everything. But, um, yeah, this match was really hard-hitting. They were trading blows back and forth, back and forth, and they were just making a lot of noise. And there was a part in the match where Charlotte Flair is chopping Rhea Ripley and just telling her her accomplishments, like, I built NXT, chopped to the chest. Like, I'm the queen of WWE, chopped to the chest. You know, just like, it. really great stuff in this match. Like, when Charlotte's on, when Charlotte is like, yo, I'm going to put on a phenomenal match, she's, she's, she's there's, there's nobody better. She, she's really good. You know, but I didn't like the finish of this match. Why? Because the wrong person won. Obviously, like I said, that Charlotte Flair's been working the, I think, the right leg of Rhea Ripley. And Rhea Ripley was selling this shit throughout the whole match. She sold this thing like a pro. Like, it was just really impressive. Because sometimes, like, somebody gets, like, a, a their arm worked or their leg worked or whatever. And they basically forget to sell or they just don't know how to or whatever. But Rhea Ripley was selling her right leg throughout the whole entire match. Because Charlotte Flair was working on it. Then it gets to the end of the match. 
and Charlotte puts her in the figure eight. Then she's trying. She's trying. Rhea's like, no, I can't. I can't. No. And then she taps out. And Charlotte Flair is your new NXT Women's Champion. Despite this being a great match, what does this do for Rhea Ripley? What does this do for your entire women's division? Honestly, what does this do? Because you keep feeding champion after champion and women and after women to Charlotte to beat. And it's like, Charlotte's at a point, in my opinion, that she is the female, not Ric Flair, she is the female John Cena. And I'm going to explain why. Because... A lot of, like like her dad, even when he loses or wins, he makes the other guy look better. Granted, Rhea Ripley looked phenomenal in defeat, but it was the wrong outcome. Charlotte Flair doesn't need to be NXT Women's Champion. There's a lot more deserving um, females on NXT that deserve it, like Io Shirai, Candice LeRae, Bianca Belair. Um, who else can I name off? Dakota Kai. Even Tegan Knox, even like some of my favorites that are coming up, and slowly but surely they could probably get to that main event level, like like um a Caden Carter. Like I don't see the point in giving Charlotte this belt. And back to the John Cena comparison to Charlotte, like when every time Cena fought somebody and the wrong person went over, which would be Cena, the person didn't look good in defeat. Like, Bray Wyatt, when Cena fought Bray Wyatt in WrestleMania 30, Bray Wyatt should have gone over. But no, WrestleMania 31, when Cena fought Rusev, Rusev should have gone over. But no, the American hero needed to go over, right? And it just hurt them. It really, it really did. I'm not going to sit here and say that it hurt Rhea, right? But it was just the wrong outcome because now where does Rhea go from here? Granted, the way that this match played out, we're most likely going to get more matches between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, probably in a gimmick match of some sort, like a ladder match, steel cage, or something. But this was the wrong outcome. This was the wrong outcome of the match. But despite that, the match itself was really good. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. This was my favorite match of the night for me. Then we get into the second match, and it was Aleister Black versus The Almighty. Bobby Lashley. He's wearing pants. Not the biker shorts he always wears. He's wearing pants. Whatever. Um, and nothing really too much to say. Um, Bobby Lashley, he's still very impressive. Right? But it's like, he's been here since, for a while. Now, he came back like a long time ago. And ever since his return, he hasn't been in no credible... Feuds. He hasn't been in no credible storylines or anything. But in this match, later on to the end of the match, Bobby Lashley goes for his for his finisher. And Lana, as the bitch that she is, the annoying bitch that she is, gets on the apron and says, No, 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 Bobby. Bobby, my honey, Bobby. Hit the spear. Bobby's like, you're right. Why didn't I think of that? He's in the spear. He's getting ready. He's angry. He's furious. Runs right into a black mass. And one, two, three, Aleister Black picks up the victory. This match wasn't bad. This match wasn't a bad match. 
I just don't know why Alistair Black is fighting Bobby Lashley. If somebody out there could... St I'm still waiting for that answer. If somebody could tell me why Alistair Black is fighting Bobby Lashley, you're a smart man. Or woman. Whatever. I give this match... I'll give it a... I'll give it a 5.5 out of 10. 5... 5.5 out of 10. The next match we're getting get into is Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. And Dolph Ziggler is coming out with Sonya Deville. Right? And this match in itself, if any match on this card, this was, there was a few matches on this card that needed a crowd. But if any match needed the crowd more was this match, especially how it played out towards the end. There was a spot in the match where Otis is going to go for the caliper. And then Sonya Deville gets on the apron, distracting the, the ref. Otis is there like, come on, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Dolph Ziggler kicks him right in the dick. And he's there, lying there, whatever. And then Mandy Rose comes out. Imagine the crowd of 75,000, 80,000 people when you hear Mandy. The pop she would have gotten would have been insane. Insane because we knew what the outcome was going to be. And that, those are one of those WrestleMania moments that needed a crowd. Imagine. I know I'm, I don't want to sound old because I'm really not old, but I always watch a lot of old wrestling. Imagine when um, Macho Man was getting beat up by um, um, Chartel, whatever her name was. I'm thinking Sherry Chartel, whatever the fuck, right? And then Miss Elizabeth comes in the ring. And then they had that hug at the end of, I think it was WrestleMania 6 or 7. Imagine that WrestleMania moment with no crowd. It, it, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. And this, I wouldn't put this particular storyline on that great of a scale or even close to it. But it, this needed a crowd. Then later on... While the ref was still distracted, Mandy Rose gets in the ring, low blows Dolph Ziggler, Otis picks him up for like a world's strongest slam, hits his caterpillar, take one, two, three, and Otis picks up the victory over Dolph Ziggler, and he finally gets the girl. Otis lifts Mandy off her feet, and they kiss for what should have been the best moment out of both nights. Otis finally gets Mandy Rose. This storyline was probably the best storyline on SmackDown, and I've said it every time we reviewed SmackDown. It's one of the best storylines they got going on SmackDown. Imagine this in front of 80,000 people when she finally comes to make the save and attack Sonya, right? And to give the low blow to Dolph. The pop she would have gotten. And then the amazing pop afterwards when Otis wins, that he finally kisses Mandy, his peach. It would have been beautiful. For the match itself, it, it, it's what it needed to be, but it needed a crowd to make it that much better. For that, I'll give it a 4 out of 10. Because the psychology of the match was beautiful. Beautiful psychology from the storytelling and everything. But there was no crowd, and it really hurt it. It really did hurt this match. Now we're going to get into the next match. And this match really disappointed me. And we're talking about the last man standing match. 
between the rated R superstar Edge versus Randy Orton. Um, this was the best built story out of all the matches between both nights. This was the best built story from the concerto to Edge. Edge coming back at, at Rumble and the little interactions at the Rumble. Then the, the Raw after the Rumble. And then Randy Orton RKOing um, Beth. Then he attacked Matt Hardy and all this stuff. And then, and then the promos that they've done. On Raw, and in the promos that they did in the empty on Performance Center, and every promo, the storytelling of this match before it, like the just the buildup, was just damn near perfect, like Shakespearean like. And the match was disappointing. The match was disappointing, and this match, I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, but it needed a crowd. Yes and no, because the match went on for way too long. I was watching it last night. When it got to the part where they were, like, on the side of the stage and then Randy throws Edge into, like, the barricade and everything, and then they start fighting in, like, the, the office space and one, of, and one of the rooms of the performance center and everything, I was like, this match went on for way too long. This match was almost, like, 40 minutes. This match should have been at least a good... 20-minute match, a brawl, a, a war, a war this match should have been. If somebody RKO'd my wife, you got to die. And it's on sight. You got to die. You got to die. There's no offense or bust. You rko my wife, you have to die. And this match went on for way too long, and there was a lot of dead space because all you hear is just them selling the action, and they beat the living shit out of each other. I'm not taking away from Edge or Randy. They beat the living shit out of each other. But the match dragged on with punch, slap, thrown into the wall. Ref count. Ref count. And it just went on for way too fucking long. It just went on for way too long, man. Towards the later half of the match, they're in like the backstage area where there's like um ladders and chairs and all this shit. You know, from the production and stuff. And then there was like a truck and Randy hits some his draping DDT to Edge on the truck. Gets to count. Edge gets up at, I think, 8 or close to 10 or whatever. And freaking, they climb into the top of this, this um, trailer. This tractor trailer, whatever. And Randy Orton goes for a punk kick. Edge gets up and hits him with a spear. Randy had already brought up two chairs to the top. Then, ran, then Edge is there crying like, I can't believe I have to do this. I can't believe, oh my God, I can't believe this. And then he hits Randy Orton with a concerto. And Edge picks up the victory in his first singles match in over nine years. I didn't know what to rate this match. I didn't know what to rate this match. Honestly, I really don't. Because, like, this is the... This is Edge's first match back in over nine years, right? And what sucks is that he had no crowd to play off of, you know? But the match just dragged on and on and on and on. And there was nothing really to it. Man, there was nothing really to it. I'm not taking away from either competitor. Like I said, they beat the living shit out of each other. But this match was really disappointing for me. It really was. 
Then after that, for them to try to hype us up after that little war, Mojo Rawley is running away because he's 24-7 champion. He's running away from a bunch of no-name talent, whatever, then Gronk is standing on top of the perch, and he does his own version of the coffin drop, steals a little bit of a move from Darby Allen, and then pins Mojo Rawley, and Gronk is your new 24-7 champion. Does anybody give a fuck? Because I sure don't. Let's fucking move on. Then we're going to get into the next match. And it was for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And it was the Street Profits versus Austin Theory and Angel Garza. The only thing I can really say about this match is that this match didn't go and drag on like the last man standing match. This match was really quick. Street Profits picked up the victory to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. After the match, Austin Theory attacks D'Angelo Dawkins, throws him out the ring. Angel Garza and Austin Theory hold up um, Montez Ford. Then Selena Vega super kicks Montez Ford. And then we get a surprise appearance from Bianca Belair. If anybody doesn't know, that's Montez Ford's real wife. So she comes out of nowhere to the rescue of her husband to save the day. Starts fucking her up. You're not going to hit my husband and cat fighting. And then she does her move. And then it's happily ever after, I guess I'm assuming. Thank God this match didn't drag on at the last man standing match. Let's move on, shall we? The next match we're going to get into is the fatal five-way match for the SmackDown Women's Championship with Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Naomi. No one's meaner than Tamina. And Bailey. At this point of the show, I I was like, I'm about to go to sleep. This match was probably the worst match of the night. The worst match of the night. All I'm gonna see and say is that Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, and Bailey and Naomi, they all ganged up on Samina. So they all took turns doing the finishing maneuvers to and they all Jumped on top of her so she couldn't kick out. One, two, three. Tamina's the first one eliminated. Then after that, it's Naomi eliminated. Then it's Sasha Banks eliminated by miscommunication between Bailey and Sasha Banks after Lacey Evans hits the, the women's right on, on Sasha. And then it's all you left is with Lacey Evans versus Bailey. Sasha Banks is still there on the outside. Can't believe it. But then as we thought Sasha Banks was going to turn on Bailey, she helps Bailey retain her SmackDown Women's Championship. And I'm going to sit here and say now, that was the biggest pop of the night for me. Because why? Because if I had to sit through this fucking match, and you gave Lacey Evans the SmackDown Women's Championship, I would have just turned the shit off right here. The female Lex Luger does not need a belt. She doesn't even, even need to be on TV. She doesn't. Nobody cares about Lacey Evans. No one cares about Lacey Evans, okay? So, she don't need a belt. What we should have gotten, we should have gotten Bailey versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship in another classic match. But no, you put all of them in a fatal five-way. In a fatal five-way. Now, we're getting commercials for Money in the Bank. That's if we still get Money in the Bank. My prediction from right now for the women's ladder match for Money in the Bank... Let Sasha Banks win it. Add a little bit more drama in between the friendship of Bailey and Sasha. 
So that way, if Sasha Banks does cash in, maybe on the maybe on the later half of the year when we get people in the arena, if this virus shit is all gone, we could get Sasha Banks versus Bailey. In a simple world, but simple doesn't work for Vincent Kennedy McMahon, does it? No, it really doesn't. <laughs> then we're gonna get on to one of the most weirdest, most confusing. Things I have ever seen on WWE TV. And it was the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena versus The Fiend. John Cena comes out to empty performance center. He's out there standing. Oh my God, where's the fans? Where's the fans? He's laughing. Yeah. Then The Fiend pops up in his own little world and says, John, you're not going to go against me, John. Your biggest opponent, you, you just don't know. You're going against yourself. And this is where it lost me. So we took a trip down memory lane for years. For years, fans is like, why can't we do a, like what, what they do with old school Raw? They bring back the old big R, A, and W for the, for the set of Raw. Why can't we get an old school SmackDown and bring down the SmackDown fist? And the whole shattered glass and everything. Why can't we bring it back? But they brought it back for this match. Because literally, John Cena's taking a trip down memory lane. And Bray Wyatt is doing the same thing that Kurt Angle did. Cutting the same promo. Do you have ruthless aggression, John? Do you have any ruthless aggression? Then they cut in to... Bray Wyatt and doing, and they had like this little promo package of the old Saturday Night Main Event, you know, um, videos and stuff. And then John Cena's there looking jacked, standing there looking jacked, lifting the weights, talking about, do you hear me, brother, 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 brother. If I hear him, I'm going to fucking lose it. And I don't know about you guys, this match, I, I saw this match again. After... Mania, I had to watch this match again. I do not hate it as much as I, as I did when I first watched it. But it was still a very confusing thing. And then we got the closest thing to a heel Cena. Because then Bray Wyatt is imitating Eric Bischoff. Then John Cena comes out with the NWO because it's for life. Brother, brother. And then they reenact the WrestleMania 30 match from six years ago. When Bray Wyatt is dressed like his old self. He's in the ring. You should have, you want to finish what you started? You want to finish? End it, John. End it. Gives him a steel chair. He's like, end it, John. End it. John goes to swing for Bray Wyatt's head and Bray Wyatt disappears. Standing right behind him. Let me in. Then he, then he tackles Bray Wyatt, he's punching and punching and punching and going crazy, going crazy, going crazy. And then John Cena is punching Husky the Pig or whatever the hell you want to call that fucking puppet. Then the fiend pops up from right behind him and gives him the mandible claw and puts away John Cena. And I guess he picked up the victory over John Cena, a win that is long overdue. And not to mention, we did get a special appearance from... 
Vince McMahon, the puppet, or Mr. McBoss Man on commentary. And after all this was said and done, you hear him say, Oh, that's such good shit. That's his favorite thing to say because ever since Boxley did his interview with Jericho on Talk is Jericho on his podcast, all he used to say was, Every time Vince will bring him a new idea, Vince was like, Oh, this is such good shit. And we finally get it on WWE TV from the puppet, Mr. McBoss Man, on commentary with Mercy the Buzzard. What in the hell was that? I'm not going to sit here and say this wasn't entertaining because after that fatal five way match, I, I needed something like this and it, it kind of got me awake, but I was just there like, what the hell? It entertained me, but. Whatever. I may review this match later on to give like my final opinions on it. But as it stands, I'm still kind of 50-50 on it. Like I liked the concept of it and like I just didn't like it overall. It's like it's really 50-50 for me. Personally. Then we're gonna get on to the main event for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And it was Brock Lesnar. Versus Drew McIntyre. Because I dream broken dreams. This match really... Like, granted, I know I've been saying, like, man, WrestleMania needed a crowd. It needed a crowd. It really needs a crowd. Like that Otis and Dolph Ziggler match with the ending, the happy ending. Oh, my God. This particular needed a thing. Needed It needed a crowd. It needed 80,000 people going crazy for Drew McIntyre. Because the match itself, with no crowd, it sucked. But the psychology of the match was done well. Because imagine, because Brock Lesnar hits one at five on Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre kicks out by one. He's shocked. Paul Heyman is like, he's good. Do it again. He's going. Goes for a second at five. Kicks out at two. Brock is dead. Like, what the hell? And Paul Heyman's like, come on, keep going. I told you, he's nothing like anybody else. He's not like everybody else. You got to do it again. Picks him up for the third one. Hits him, one, two, and kicks out again. And Brock is furious. Picks him up. Took way too long to pick him up for the fourth and five. As soon as Brock picks up Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre scrambles out. Hits him with a Claymore kick. Then hits him with another Claymore kick. That's the third Claymore kick. And for the ending one more Claymore kick to put away the Beast Incarnate and Brock Lesnar. And your new WWE champion is Drew McIntyre. I feel so very bad for Drew. His, you, you don't get a moment like this again. To go into the main event of WrestleMania and win your first WWE championship. And to main event your first WrestleMania. You won't get this feeling and excitement again. You just won't. You just won't. Imagine 80,000 people when he won it. He's standing there like, finally, in the crowd like, oh my God. Going crazy. Going crazy. Pandemonium and insanity when he won. Because it's finally 19 long years. We don't remember him as that guy, that dumbass stringing an air guitar with 3MB. Now he's going out at the main event. At WrestleMania, beating Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. He just won't get that experience again. And Drew, if you're listening, man, I'm 
it sucks, man. Like, there's nothing you could do about it. We c you can't blame Vince. You can't. There's, there's nothing to blame. It's like it's just, just really a circumstance that nobody predicted happening. And this really sucks, man. This 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 really sucks, man. It, it's just I, I, I don't even know what to say. But my overall rating for night two of WrestleMania, I would give it. I'll say off. A 4.5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Between both nights, if I had to pick, night one was a lot better than night two. A lot better than night two. Overall, both nights considered, and I have to rate both nights as one, I would rate this WrestleMania a 6.5 out of 10. 6, 6.5 out of 10. If there was a crowd... This probably would have been one of the best WrestleManias of all time. Or if not, the start of this decade or whatever in recent memory. This, one of, this would have been one of the better manias since 30. But because there was no crowd, it just really hurt it, man. But anyway, guys, that is the end of this WrestleMania 36 Night 2 review. An overall review of WrestleMania 36. If you're new to the channel, be sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell. And if you enjoyed this WrestleMania 36 review from Night 2 and Night 1, be sure to hit that like with a Stone Cold Stunner. And in the comments, let us know. Did you like WrestleMania? Did you hate WrestleMania? Did you even watch WrestleMania? Let it, and also, let us know your favorite matches between both nights in the comment section down below. I go by the name Unknown. Pipe Bomb. <laughs>